Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for TWIP is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photo is also brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com slash TWIP and use the offer code TWIP. This episode and a special insider survey for this show is brought to you by the new 2011 Hyundai Equus. Discover the Hyundai Equus, the new premium luxury sedan from Hyundai, offering first-class refinement and features. Take the insider survey for this show at podcastinsidersurvey.com. That's podcastinsidersurvey.com. This week on TWIP, a special holiday treat for you. An extended interview with Icelandic photographer Rebecca Gudlifstadter. In this interview, she talks about her work, her shows, and gives some insight into how she creates those amazing multiple exposure self-portraits. It's Sunday, December 26, 2010, and this is TWIP. I'm here with Rebecca Gudlifstadter. I know I'm mispronouncing her name, but she's going to correct me again. Uh, I haven't spoken to Rebecca on This Week in Photo, or actually at all, for over a year. She came on the show a while ago and and schooled us on all the things that she was doing in terms of building her Flickr presence, um, uh, doing, I think she was, you, Rebecca, you were doing a series at the time called Multiplicity, um, where you were doing lots of self-portraits and all that stuff. So we're going to talk about that. And we're gonna we're gonna go into a myriad of things that you've been up to. So, thanks for thanks for coming on. And uh, let's just start it off with what have you been up to? Uh, since last year, um, <laughs> quite a bit. You've been, let's, let's... well, lots of stuff has happened. You've <laughs> had like uh, geological upheavals, photography events, all kinds of things yeah. have been going on in Iceland. What's so? What start yeah, start from the top. It's been a pretty colorful year. Um, I started the year by, um, for the first time in my life, um, entering a contest. I'm not a big fan of, um, I'm not very competitive except with myself usually. So a few friends of mine pointed out that there was a self-portrait contest going on. And I thought, nah, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, might as well. And uh, it was, the the, uh, the theme was... Um, the power of self, and it was like the theme was self-portraits. And so, okay, that's pretty much up my alley. So I had like hundreds of pictures to choose from. So I, um, I, I entered ten pictures, and I noticed that there was a. It was kind of divided into two categories, or you could win, you know, in two ways. Uh, there was the People's Choice Award, and then uh, they had four like um, it was a juried kind of thing as well. I think Steve Buscemi was one of the judges. Um, uh, the the kind of official judging, um, so it it looked kind of big and and kind of cool. So I um I kind of advertised it on Facebook and kind of got people to vote for me and wasn't expecting anything to come of this. And uh, surprisingly, I actually managed to win the People's Choice, and uh, in large part, obviously due to my um, Flickr following. Uh, so that was very very cool seeing that kind of in <laughs> in practice how that actually got me got me somewhere and um i was like really grateful for all that support and um that got me a trip to new york basically new york and how did that yeah, go yeah. That, that went pretty well i was very very nervous i um even though i grew up uh spent seven years of my childhood uh growing up in florida i have not been to the u.s in 17 years <laughs> when this came around so i was 
very nervous and I haven't, you know, done much traveling, you know, alone. It's really exciting. I um I just kind of talked to some people beforehand that I kind of casually knew through through Flickr or had known for a few years and I um, decided to hook up with them and, and see how that would go and uh, these people turned out for the you know a large part not not to be psychopaths and were actually really cool and took care of me while I was there and <laughs> could have gone you both dodged, ways. You dodged that bullet, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, but but this really wonderful girl that I knew through, through Flickr, she had decided to um, stay at the same guest house and she was actually already there when I got there. And she came downstairs and saw me. She's like, "Are you Rebecca?" And I was like, "Are you Diana?" And she's like, "Oh, you look so distraught." And I was like, "Everything's going wrong." And it was so funny. You're like <laughs> you're like crying in the corner. <laughs> yes. I, I hate to admit it, but I sort of was. Oh, no. uh, it's just like you know, when you're traveling and tired, it was a little bit too much. Um, but it was so funny in retrospect. And we really hit it off, me and her and her boyfriend. And it just had a really good time hanging out and uh, went to this opening really cool and there was like ton of people and a waiting line like around the block people were standing out in the rain obviously it was not my solo show which would have been really awesome but you know there were three other winners who were um, also also showing but apparently a lot of people actually showed up to see my work and I got like emails afterwards from people who was like oh, I stand I stood out there in the rain for an hour and I never made it inside I was so excited and I was because it was actually the show was only up for three hours and then they took it down at midnight so wow. Wow. That was a bit of a bummer, but all in all, a really, really fun experience. But were you were you surprised that that many people showed up? Because you have this gigantic following online. I mean, like you look at some of the photos you posted, and look at the the view counts on them is larger than some sitcoms yeah. get in terms of viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did not know either way what to expect. But considering how many people supported me in the contest and voted for me, um, uh, but I tied. Actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal the show. I, I tied with a um with Hillary McCoy who's uh, another very very cool uh, self-portrait artist um also very popular on flicker and uh we sort of we sort of got a similar following in the people's choice so she was also there and and the the grand prize winner um, so a lot of these people were there for for them as well plus there was a slideshow of all the like um the runners-up and so you know it's hard to say but considering how many people came up to me and they were talking talking to me like i'm mean, actually a lot of them had never seen my work before they were seeing me like completely new like a fresh face up on the wall and i was like uh, so actually that was the best part for me um the people who were seeing me for the first time in this new kind of uh, non-internet venue you know in a gallery setting and it was very, very exciting for me and how does how is that you know from from the standpoint of you interact a lot with people in the comments on your photos on Flickr. um mm-hmm. you know you have your blog and the comments on that you're on skype you're on facebook and all that so you have this online sort of community of people that kind of know you but you may not have ever have shaken their hands but then to to stand in the room with these people that are that are reacting sort of instantaneously to your work and and seeing that rather than reading it later after the fact how was Mm -hmm. that describe that dynamic um i don't know it's just like the (laughs) the overall feeling was just like just pure excitement, you know, uh, because I was like being bombarded with people like tapping me on the show. Like, are you, are these yours? Did you do these? And, um, and, and just had never seen anything exactly like them. And they'd never seen them online. They had not been following me on Flickr and they were just like really interested. And I was like, wow, okay. Do I actually have something there? Is there, (laughs) is there something unique going on? Because I'm completely blind to my own work and, and I've gotten so accustomed to, you know, like this sort of, 
the same kind of audience that's been following me for so long. You know, they always come back and they continue commenting. It's like familiar faces almost, even though you don't know them personally. So you're kind of surprised that there's actually a lot more people out there who have no clue who you are Mm -hmm. and have yet to discover what you're doing. And that has actually um, really, it works as an encouragement that, you know, I don't have to just, you know, kind of, uh, stick to, 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 you know, presenting my work on the internet. I mean, it's really encouraging to get out there and maybe, you know, try to get gallery showings, you know, wherever, either, either stateside or in Iceland or in Europe, because there's like this whole world out there. And considering how many people haven't heard of me, that that's what kind of keeps me going now, you know, just like finding those, that new audience and going even, even farther with my work. And yeah. um, because I'm, I'm only getting, only getting started is how I see it. Yeah. And I want to, I totally want to talk <laughs> about that, but it, it's, it's interesting that a lot of people are just now touching on moving into the, you know, the quote unquote cloud, you know, and getting all their, getting data into the cloud and living online more than they are offline or, you know, however you want to slice it. But you are now experiencing life outside of the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, look, there's, I, there's, you know, there's actually something beyond this cloud thing. You know, it's interesting. But the thing is, no, I've, I've always known that. I mean, I was, as, as um, you are obviously know, I, I studied art. I have a BA degree in, in visual arts, and I finished school last year. So I've always been very conscious of the fact that I want to take my art and you know get it out there into the real art world and into galleries. The way I see it, I just you know really use the internet while I was studying as a sort of a catapult or, you know, kind of jumpstart into, you know, getting your work out there because you have to be really loud and obnoxious with what you're doing Mm -hmm. when there's like millions of other people competing with you doing similar things because, you know, the gear is accessible, the, uh, the, the technology, the software, everybody has it, you know, so you have to really just, you know, go the extra mile if you want to get noticed and if you want to, you know, surpass what other people are doing. Otherwise, everybody just kind of merges into one big, you know, pool of people doing the same thing right. so um that i've been really uh kind of conscious of of uh using <laughs> to a large extent this uh the internet to just really you know kind of as a shortcut to so, get where so, I wanted. so now you're so you started off sort of using Flickr as that the main sort of landing pad for all your work and then you you i know you're on facebook i'm 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 your friend on facebook thank you um but then you're also <laughs> you're also blogging now you have a you have a, a photography blog that you that you post yeah. on often so uh, how uh, how is that a, going that, that's actually um uh yeah this uh this new blog it's um uh, some people in New York put this together. This idea of gathering a bunch of like high-profile bloggers who are been have been writing uh, on their own websites, and just gathering them together into one website where they would you know just share what they're doing, and as just like this one place where people can go to get uh, insights and information and tips and and just whatever about anything related to photography. Yeah. Uh, and and I was really happy that they um they invited me to be one of the like the starting members uh starting bloggers on this uh on this new website and um so i've been i've been uh writing kind of differently for that than i do on my own personal blog which is tends to just ramble about whatever you know my workouts uh you know what i'm cooking or whatever it's more it's more of a blog blog you know personal personal chronology it's just my my stuff you know i can do whatever i want on there and but this one is like i each article i really just put hours and hours of work into you know, kind of writing a, a, a good solid text that actually, you know, tells you something and, you know, having a lot of pictures and going a little bit deeper into 
technique, uh, sort of behind the scenes look at my photos. I actually put together a, a tutorial, a Photoshop tutorial, which is something I never do. Um, and I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this. This is a, a new kind of thing for me and I'm getting a, I really do enjoy writing. I've always, you know, been kind of aiming at, you know, writing a book at some point or, or books probably. Uh, and, uh, so I'm, I'm really getting kind of a, a kick out of, uh, you know, sharing, sharing my stuff differently on there. And that's, that's really gone off to a really good start. So that's um, great. I'm going to take a quick break here to mention that this special holiday interview is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. Squarespace.com has announced new social widgets featuring a native Twitter widget that allows you to add multiple accounts, filter by keyword, and customize the look and feel of your design. They've got a native Flickr widget that allows you to add multiple accounts with varied layouts, and a native RSS widget that allows you to pull in virtually any feed from the web. Use squarespace.com for all your website needs. You can build it, host it, and manage it. And if you'd like to check out some amazing sites that folks have created using Squarespace, just head over to www.squarespace.com slash examples. And if you'd like a free trial, head over to squarespace.com slash twip. You don't need a credit card. You can try it out, build your own website. Then if you decide to purchase it, you'll get 10% off for six months when you enter the offer code TWIP. That's squarespace.com slash twip. A lot of people, you know, thousands and thousands of people obviously are are watching your work and waiting with bated breath for the next installment of, you know, from the Rebecca collection. So let's <laughs> let's just talk about how you do this stuff. You know, a lot of people look at it and I'm sure you get, get bombarded with questions of how to and, you know, yeah. all this. But just from a high level, what's what's your process? You know, just for example, you know, there's one of your photos that, I, that I'm a big fan of. And by the way, you are feeding my Apple TV as a slideshow right now. Uh, <laughs> one of your photos is the the one with the there's a bunch of horses and one of them looks like he's looking at the camera and smiling or, or something. Like, what's your process behind creating, say, a photo like that with these beautiful backgrounds? Uh, and then, secondly, creating one of your self-portrait sort of multiplicity, multiple exposure kind of pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it, that's just, like, two different categories. It's me driving around with a camera when I'm, like, just kind of getting away from my daily life and getting a, taking a breather. I will typically be driving around. I spot a field of horses, and I climb over the fence and snap a bunch of shots of the horses, and that's just, it's it's not more complicated than that. Yeah. Uh, using that you know, there's no, I'm not, like, uh, predetermining beforehand how I'm going to have this shot. I just, you know, huh, there's a bunch of horses. Let's see if they want to you're not, you're not checking the weather service to make sure the clouds are no, in the exact perfect no, position. No, no. <laughs> the, the horse shots are actually, um, it's funny. I'm not a horse person. I, I had never even been on horseback. I don't have a horse. I don't, you know, I don't know anything about horses and people probably think I'm this, this big horse person, but I'm not. It is something that I, when I started taking pictures, I just discovered that horses are really photogenic and I'm not afraid of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm able to get really close to them and they're easily accessible here in Iceland when I'm driving around. You know, even I've, if I say so myself, I, I, I do think I've taken quite a lot of really good horse pictures. But, you know, it's just something that's sort of like a side thing, a side project. It's not really my, my passion. So I was really surprised when I um uh, I came across – this guy sent me a link. He had just, like, been writing something about me on Facebook, like a shout-out to, like, check out Rebecca. And he wrote, like, this little line about me. And it's, it starts by saying, she is famous for shooting Icelandic ponies. And I was like, well, that makes me sound rather barbaric, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
don't shoot the poor ponies, Rebecca. <laughs> Taken out of a photographic context, that sounds awful. But, but <laughs> it I was totally like, does. And I was like, wait, I'm famous for that, really? Because I thought the horses were like, you know, like 10% of my work. And I think they actually are. But, you know, obviously, so a lot of people really notice the horse shots. And I really do like them. And, and um, uh, But that's just, you know, you know, I'm driving by, I get a good picture. if it, or, or I don't. I mean, many times I've shot horse and I just got nothing out of it. Yeah. On the other hand, there's, you know, the more conceptual uh, work where I really, you know, either I'm just kind of, I have this vague idea and I just get to work, like starting at some point and then it might take weeks or months even before I reach an end point, which is nothing like uh, anything I had in mind when I started. Or I might just have this really clear idea before I start and I just get to work and get that idea out there until it's, you know, in a photo that people can look at. Uh, and you know, this is just, that's where my, uh, my passion lies in, in creating photos and, you know, just really using it as an art medium to, you know, instead of if I were a painter, I would be painting these things, but I just, I use the camera and Photoshop to just, uh, create these, um, <clears throat> these scenarios. And how do those, how do those pop into your mind? Like, you know, the one, that, for example, I don't know why it keeps popping in my head, but you're standing in front of a mirror, uh, looking in the mirror and behind you is you again with a knife coming up oh, yeah. to get you and then the reflection in the mirror is you noticing the you with the knife and the you that's looking at the mirror is oblivious how do you how do you, you conceptualize know, that that is like one that that is somehow my most popular photo i would say i think i i've sold like i don't know 17 prints of it or something it's like by far my my biggest hit you'd say but uh and it's like one of my oldest too it's like from october 2005 when i just started taking pictures and I was on my first semester at art school, and I was going through a bit of a kind of a um, identity crisis, perhaps. <laughs> Surprisingly, when Uh-oh. you look at the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like which one is the real one? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, there was this kind of uh, tug of war going on between. Uh, this sounds so corny, like the the good girl me and the bad girl me. <laughs> nice. I'm not going to go into details, but I had a pretty stormy few years before I started in school. I'm just some. Really, you know, heavy stuff had been going on in my life, which um, not exactly a laughing matter. But you know, I made made this picture as as um, really spur of the moment, just kind of goofing around thing. And then when I looked at it afterwards, I was able to read so much psychological stuff into this picture. And it's just basically this whole, you know, you know, you can be your own worst enemy, and and being oblivious to the damage you can do to yourself, and and just this whole tug of war between the the two sides that are often battling for attention inside my brain. And yes, I am a Gemini, so that's maybe <laughs> part oh, that's of it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So so there's, uh, and this is actually true, probably with so much of my work. Um, I think there's a subconscious factor. I, I make the photo. And I had this vague idea, but then when I look at it afterwards, the title comes later and then a lot of meaning that I can read into it. And that's actually what I really hope that other people get also out of out of looking at my work is kind of relating to it and maybe just reading their own story out of it. And it doesn't have to just be it just means this and it means this in the context of my life only. It's more like this is just a, you know, this human kind of thing that most people can relate to. 
And speaking of that photo, what I love about it is um, it became this kind of trend on 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 um, Flickr, or I, okay, I don't know. Uh, I I kept getting links, and people were sending me like, "Hey, I made a tribute to this uh, photo. Here's me doing it." And it's just like, "Oh, it's a least, little, it's a meme now. Look at that." <laughs> yes, and then I was like, the best one was this guy in Saudi Arabia wearing the whole thing, you know, this white robe and the, the thing on his head, and he was posing in his bathroom with a knife doing exact same thing and i was like whoa that is that's just great. now i feel like i want to do one <laughs> I, I have to do one now <laughs> but that was that was uh um at the time you know the, the, there wasn't that much of this this whole multiplicity thing going on on Flickr. i was not the first person to start doing it and uh, it started way back in film technology when people were putting together you know two or more um, negatives in the dark room so it's not a new idea it's something i was just really playing around with uh in you know, kind of in relation to this whole, because I was really kind of going through these uh, this struggle with myself and kind of coming to terms with a lot of things in my life, and that's how. So I really utilized this as a tool for just like both just kind of playfully presenting myself against myself in photos, and it's kind of a phase that I'm like kind of grown out of now. I mean, I really I really enjoy looking at the whole thing and. Uh, I enjoy doing these photos once in a while, but there has to be like a reason for it. I, I don't just like here's me and here's me, and it's just uh, it's, it, there has to be some sort of story behind it and an inter interplay of characters. Um, that doesn't mean so, we're not we're not going to see any more multiplicity shots, or no, we're just going to the see them is, less frequently. The last one I made was um, in I think uh, the spring two thousand and nine. It was really complicated, where it's like it's a triptych. It's like three frames, it's sort of like a comic book, and it's called Deja Vu. And I'm just sitting on a couch holding. Uh, next to myself holding a frame of myself it's like i'm gonna i'm just gonna ask you to put a link to this picture because it's like I can't sure. really yeah we'll it. definitely do that and you know that was i was like okay here's a really complicated idea that I can really utilize this technique uh so i really felt like doing it but if it's just you know for the hell of it i it's like nah, it's, it's been done it's getting a little bit old and corny so um, yeah. but if i if i get a really clever clever idea i was like definitely you know so talk to talk a little bit how just just from a high level how the the process works you know actually executing one of those you know from a from a uh, technique standpoint you grab I'm assuming you grab your tripod you put a lens on there you aim it in a position yeah th- then what you know how do how do it's you just, how does it happen it's, it's really simple you just uh, you take one shot of yourself in the in the first pose. Uh, or, you know, take a few to make sure you have a decent one. And usually I switch clothes or, you know, do something and, um, and then I shoot the other half. Uh, actually, once I actually resorted to, I colored my hair in between shots. That was like two hours. <laughs> so oh, came, that's cool. I went from blonde to brunette in between shots and um, prayed that the camera hadn't kind of you know, started tilting or something while I was doing my hair. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, then you just, then it's just really simple Photoshop. You have these two layers and you erase part of the image where, where your second you is supposed to be. And voila, that's it. Wow. If you want the people to be touching, it gets a lot more complicated. I am not a master at that kind of Photoshop. And I'm actually I'm going to use it as a segue into into my my favorite topic of discussion when it comes to my work. <laughs> Go for it. It's, it's not it's, it's not as much Photoshop as you think. Uh, it's so funny. I am here. I am. I, I get like really popular and well known for this. Obviously, this um, manipulative uh, technique in Photoshop. So uh, from there, it seems everyone kind of assumes that everything I do from there is Photoshop. And the thing is, the only reason I Photoshop these images is because I'm not able to clone myself. If I could, I would, because I'm not really that much of a fan of cutting and pasting things together in in, in, um, post-processing. It's really something I just, 
uh, know very little about and have not really looked into. I haven't really studied, you know, the techniques because it's just it doesn't really interest me as, as as much as you know how much can I create in the camera how to to how many ridiculous lengths can I go to create something and everyone is just going to think it's Photoshop because that's usually what happens that's usually the case um, I go through like so much work creating props and going out and just going through a lot of trouble setting things up on location and then uh, nine times out of ten I get wow this is really well photoshopped and I was like no it's really not it's yeah. only a tiny bit Photoshop, but see that's in that in that uh, it's that's the that's the thing in digit in this digital era. You know, yeah. if, if you do something that's that's you know you 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 push your skills to the level where you don't really need Photoshop to to do certain things. You capture it all in camera. People yeah. are automatically automatically going to assume that you did some sort of manipulation on the on in post processing. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it doesn't really it doesn't bother me. I mean, in a way, I guess it's a um a compliment because people don't you know then then you can come you know counter with this the story. But oh, you want me to tell you how I actually did this? And then people are like, oh, really? Wow, that's like really impressive. So it's like it's like an extra layer, you know. But but I do enjoy talking about it because um just because uh, this whole assumption of because everyone's getting so good at Photoshop. I mean, there are these like teenagers who are better than me and everyone has the, the technology. So it's, um, it actually makes me more stubborn about sticking to the kind of the old school yeah. <laughs> way of thinking to at least, you know, I mean, I use Photoshop in every single photo I do because I really enjoy uh, working with the colors, the textures a little bit and just kind of the mood and adjusting. You can adjust the lighting a little bit and the contrast and everything. I do so much work on the photos but not in creating and putting the image together. You know, I don't take elements from here and there and just kind of splice it all together. But, you know, I, I sometimes might erase a tiny little bit or add a tiny little bit. But it's all stuff that was in the frame, you know, at the same time, at the same location, uh, similar to the clone pictures. So so recently I've been moving as much as I, as I can away from manipulating stuff in the computer to just really going all out and, and, and doing things the hard way because this is just, it's just where my, my passion lies and it's just so much more rewarding for me afterwards. Let's take a quick pause to let you know that this interview is being brought to you by the new 2011 Hyundai Equus. We're running a quick survey to learn about your photography preferences, favorite accessories, and more. So please head over to podcastinsidersurvey.com, tell us what you think, and we'll let you know what other listeners of this show say in an upcoming episode. And while you're there, be sure to check out the new 2011 Hyundai Equus, featuring first-class amenities and advanced technology such as a forward-view cornering camera and smart cruise control with a collision warning system. And it even comes with an iPad loaded with the slick Equus Owner's Manual app. It's time to discover a new kind of luxury and take a special survey for listeners of this show, all brought to you by the new 2011 Hyundai Equus at podcastinsidersurvey.com. That's podcastinsidersurvey.com. Well, talk about just, you know, just in terms of, you know, so we, the, the actual setup of the shot and actually capturing the images and all that stuff. Got that. So what about the gear that you use? This Week in Photo listeners are always curious about what are, what are they using? Is she using a point and shoot? Is she shooting this with her iPhone? <laughs> you know, what, what is she doing here? So what, what camera are you shooting with, generally speaking, lens, you know, tripod, all that stuff? Uh, I, I have a very simple setup of gear. I've been using the same uh, Canon 5D uh, since 2006, and it's still going strong, so I'm not about to get rid of that. Uh, I have 
uh, four lenses at the moment. I mostly use 17 to 40 millimeter. Uh, just It's just a good all-around kind of uh, lens for most of what I do. And uh, my other favorite would be the uh, just the basic portrait 50 mil- millimeter 1.4. Yep. And I have a 100 millimeter 2.0, which is, you know, it's a good portrait lens, but not very practical. I'm not really sure why I bought it at the time, <laughs> considering all the other choices. But I have it. Uh, and I have a fisheye 50 millimeter. And two uh, speed lights, tripod, remote, and that's about it. Wow. So I I haven't seen. Well, I guess I guess your your indoor portrait shots or the the most multiplicity shots are those are done with strobe. But you know, looking at your work, it's it's there's a lot of landscape and sort of outdoor lighting type things in there. Are you? How do you feel about or what's your comfort level with shooting strobe and off camera flash and that sort of thing? Mm, first, after I got. Um, got my first speed light and the transmitter. I, yeah, I forgot to name that. I have one of those. Um, I was really excited about using it. I was. Um, I really enjoyed the um, using the uh, kind of off from the side flash lighting outdoors, especially, <laughs> which incidentally makes it looks like look like the person is kind of cut and pasted into the background, which is something that a lot of advertising photographers actually do. But yeah, I was really, I, I really liked the look of that for a while, and then I just noticed that it was being really overused in in advertising photography, especially here in Iceland. Uh, it's like this thing here, a trend is picked up and everyone starts using it. And then you just get kind of bored with it. And I have to admit, I don't really enjoy setting up uh, anything. I, as, as little as I can get away with, that's that's how I want to have it. So setting up lighting is just like a pain in the ass for me. But you know, I do it if I really feel I need to. But in recent, like in the past year, I've been moving more and more away from any use of artificial light. And I'm almost exclusively using uh, just daylight. And it's just like, it's like, I was like, I gave myself the freedom to just be allowed to just, okay, I've tried it. I've used flash lighting. I have it at my disposal. I can use it if I want to. But it's like, I just want to use natural light. It's just easier. It's more simple because the, the picture isn't about like a really complicated setup of lighting. It's about the image and what I'm doing in it. And you can get just a lot of stuff into your image just by using natural lighting. Yep. And that was just like a load off my, off my back. It's like, ah, okay. I'm just not going to stop pushing myself in that. Because I'm not a studio photographer. I, I hate, you know, too much gear and the bulk of it and just the, the headache of setting it up. So, okay, as, as, if I don't really need it, I'm just not going to use it. And I'm not going to feel bad about that. So just like simple is just somehow how I want to keep everything. And I think that's, how- that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. I think the, the, what, the, what a lot of people miss about strobe or flash photography is what you're really trying to do is is make it look like you didn't use any flash <laughs> when you're shooting. Exactly. Right? The point isn't to do crazy stuff. The point is to illuminate the scene so that you can actually, you know, your subject is is enhanced and you can actually see what you're trying to do. It's not to, hey, I use strobe on this, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a cool thing and it's easy to understand why people really enjoy really geeking out about it, like this whole strobist um, blog and it's also on Flickr and, and you see these pictures posted to this group and people are like saying, I use this and that and that and this reflector used on this. And it's just like totally just like uh, breaking down every single little detail of how this picture was lit. You wouldn't have guessed that there was any kind of, uh, you know, it's like people might go a little bit too far with it, you know, but I understand it because I was like really geeking out first when I got my strobes and I was like, ah, it'd be really cool if I just like put that one over there and I'm going to put that one over there and I'm gonna put and, and it's like going to be like, you know, like coming out of nowhere and you know i I had some fun with that and it's just like it's a cool thing to play around with and sometimes you really can utilize it to add a little extra magic to your picture and i definitely 
do do that once in a while. It's interesting because you're you're on the, the I, I call it the the close to the far left side in terms of minimalism in photography. It's like the camera, the tripod, the lens, the light, boom, you know, and you're out shooting, you bring it in. Of course, you use technology to manipulate it. But then you look at the far right um, and I would place folks over there or maybe not too farther right, but but farther over to the right would be like a Joe McNally who's using 15, 20, 30 speed lights that are all synchronized and lighting an airplane and, you know, doing all this sort of magic stuff, still creating amazing photography, but just yeah. using technology, you know, in varying mm-hmm. amounts. And the, I guess the answer is it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't. No, it it's, doesn't. It's it the really artist. Doesn't. Exactly. And I think this is just in large part due to, you know, I've just, you know, I've, you know, matured quite a bit just in the past, you know, five years that I've been and I haven't been doing this any longer than that. And so I've been just like learning everything like really quickly as or as much as as much as possible. And just like the stuff you take in and you feel like, no, this isn't really me. Just put it aside. You know, know it's there and you can use it if you want to. But you just you don't have to do everything. You know, some people are just really good at that. And they can just go in that direction. If you don't feel like you're going in that direction, you don't have to beat yourself up about not being like really, really good at every single aspect of photography. Because that's what I was trying to do in the start, because I'm a bit of an overachiever and a perfectionist. And and I was like, no, I, I'm just going to focus, you know, I'm just going to let more more of the artists in me just kind of take charge and put way more emphasis on you know, what I really enjoy doing is like, you know, the whole creative process, you know, creating things with my hands to use in the photos. And, you know, it's just like that kind of kind of balances out the lack of, uh, you know, the technology, you know, because it's just it's not me. I mean, as uh, I might have mentioned to you at some point, like my computer, I just have this laptop. I don't even have a mouse. I don't have a Wacom tablet. I just do everything on the little touchpad on my laptop. And, you know, that's it. That, that blows me away. So I'm looking at your work now, you know, these these amazing artistic works that are on, um, you know, your your My Shopify site, Rebecca.myshopify.com. Yeah. And, you know, this is amazing stuff. And you're telling me that all these shots were done on an old Mac laptop with you manipul- using the trackpad, no mouse, no nothing. Exactly. That's crazy. See, you know, it just you don't need all this stuff. You don't need all the gear to create magic. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think people really need to hear this. And also because it's because, uh, I don't know, photography is such an expensive hobby. You know, and it can be so daunting if you're starting out. You feel like, oh, I need to get all this stuff. And I'm never going to be as good as that guy because my gear isn't as good. And it's like not the issue. You just ignore that line of thinking. You can do amazing things with a point and shoot if that's all you have. Yep. It's just like, what do you want to do with what you have? And, and just go as far as you can in that direction. And just not worry about what everyone else is doing. Because I've never worried about what everyone else is doing. I was like really just on my own kind of path. And then I start looking around and realize, like, oh, wait a minute, that person's doing a really similar thing to me. I wonder if they're going to think that I'm copying. I, didn't, I never even saw that. You know, it's like, and I'm just like in my zone doing my thing. And it's like, I mean, seriously, when this, uh, when this uh, volcano started erupting in Iceland this summer or this spring, I was the last one to know because I'm that much in my own zone, not really bothering to read the news. It's like, and then it's like, wow, I heard about the... The volcano was like, what? What? What, what volcano? That, what blows, that blows me away, Rebecca. You had a you had a volcano in your backyard spewing smoke and lava and flame, yeah. shutting down air travel across the planet. You know, and you are yeah. the you are Rebecca. You were there with your camera, and you didn't shoot it. Well, so tell me why. Okay, tell yeah, why. there's a story. There's a story behind that. Um, uh, the funny thing was, first when it started, okay, I heard about it like two days later, and um. 
uh, right away, people started like rushing towards the volcano. You know, that's what Icelanders do. They don't, con- you know, they don't perceive nature as a threat because we are not really used to natural disasters going on here. Sure, it's a natu- uh, it's a volcanic island, but we, there's not that much. You know, we don't have much going on. It's like a tiny little earthquake tremor there, a tiny little burp from a volcano there. So when this started, it was like, oh, this is really exciting! Yay, a volcano is finally erupting. You know, woo, let's go check it out. And everybody just rushed off. It's like two-hour drive from uh, the Reykjavik area where this was going on. And then there was like a five-hour hike up the mountain. People are doing this. Like thousands of people went on this trip. Uh, some people taking their babies with them, and they were turned around by the police. But that's just kind of the height of the uh, the excitement, you know. <laughs> Nobody talking about this might, you know, be a bad idea. It's kind of dangerous maybe. So I was just like at home. Was like, Ugh, everybody's going. I do not feel like going if everyone else is going. I'm like not been, gonna, not going to be able to get a shot or anything. Yeah. So I just, you know, kind of ignored it and was really annoyed at the same time because I'm like, oh, damn, I really would have wanted to get a shot of this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but this is going to be all these people. I hate these crowds. It's like not my thing. So I was like, whatever. And plus, they're, they're, it's really dangerous behavior. They're probably going to get killed. And, you know, just thankfully nobody did. Um, but it was risky. And... Uh, and then it finally, it stopped and I was like, oh man, I missed it. Damn it. And, yeah. but okay. Two days later it starts erupting again, way more. It's like this huge explosion. And that's, you know, that's when flights were, were canceled all over the world. Everyone was pissed off at Iceland. And then, you know, it was much more serious. There was flooding and people were really still told to just stay away. Um, so after a few days of this, I had been like, I was like, wait, is there like nobody going now? Can I actually sneak off and get some pictures of this volcano now, which is what I did. I got up like really early in the morning, like 2 a.m. and set out. And it was like I had the road to myself. There was no one stopping me. There was no police cars or anything. I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. And I I drove as close as I could until I just like hit a wall of ash. And I, you know, drove a little bit into that. And it was like really scary, just kind of – it was just like the air was just brown and I could just sort of see it, you know, kind of seeping into the car and the, the windows were closed. And it was like it was really uncomfortable. And, you know, the, the camera started behaving weird. So I turned around, took a side road kind of upwind from the volcano and got some decent shots of it. And it was it was a very, very cool experience. I was like, OK, so this is what the whole commotion is about. And I felt like really satisfied, of course, with myself having <laughs> managed yeah. to get out there, have the place to myself. And capturing a piece of, <laughs> of Earth history. Yeah. 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 So that was that was very, very cool. I mean, that does not happen all the time, even though it's uh, uh, even though we have volcanoes here and it's, you know, a volcanically active area. It just we have surprisingly little action going on. So this was quite a quite a big thing. Yeah. So okay, so talk a little bit about like your the different things that you're moving towards. I know you know a friend of mine, or we have a mutual friend, Trey Radcliffe, who's yeah. who's sort of you know the poster child for high dynamic range photography exactly. or HDR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's you know there's all these different genres that you could move into. Your photography is you know you you you've mastered sort of the multiplicity or the the multiple exposure on one frame and landscapes and all this other beautiful stuff. What's yeah. next? Are you going are you going to move into the more d- digital manipulation? area with hdr type stuff or anything like that no what do you, no, what def- do you think definitely next not uh next for me is just just to continue to go e- even further into this um you know these complicated setups and um i don't know if you're familiar with uh gregory crudson for instance he's like this huge influence for me i mean i'm not i'm not going to compare myself to him but his way of working is like a director who's just like he has like this huge group of people setting up his shots and it takes like six weeks to like 
you know, he can like close off a road in a small town just to get snow to collect, you know, so he can have one car drive and, and leave a clean, you know, tire track. You know, that's that's the kind of scope of how he how far he goes to create a photo. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of there, there are a lot of uh, photographers who are artists that I'm really fond of who work in this way. And in, in my, you know, in my head, that's that's the direction I want to go in. But more kind of just still working by myself because I'm I, I'm just really stubborn about just being alone, going through a lot of trouble and discomfort. And, and uh, like just my, my two most recent kind of successful self-portraits that I've done this year uh, both entailed quite a bit of um, like physical discomfort. Um, one, one in particular, it was like this project I decided to um, I decided to do because I was um, I've done a lot of long exposure photography with the uh, you know the clouds kind of turning into these wisps on the on the sky and the the sea kind of smoothing out and uh, this whole you know motion kind of blur. Uh, so I was really, um, I was photographing a field of grass this summer, and I was like, hmm, it'd be kind of cool to make a costume. That would behave like that in wind if I did a long exposure, because <laughs> mm. there's all because all this, all this wind going on in Iceland all the time. So I I decided to design myself a costume. Uh, you know, I had this white dress and I tore down a sheet into all these strips and fastened it onto the dress. And I was going to go out and shoot myself in the wind. Uh, the first attempt, uh, the wind died down as soon as I got there, of course, and it started raining. Uh, this is like the unpredictable nature of Icelandic weather because it's always windy. It's always windy, except when I'm going out and I'm going to use the wind for a photo shoot. This has happened at least five times. So that didn't quite work. So I go and make another version of the costume. Uh, I climbed a mountain and <laughs> undressed at the top of the costume, and it, it turned out it was like it wasn't it wasn't working. It wasn't you know it was too short. So that that was like uh, you know. Test number two. So then I went back and I just I, I found a new dress to use, like all the way down. I was like spent weeks putting all these strips of cloth, you know, making a lot more and just making this really elaborate costume with that. And uh, went around scouting locations, finding the right mountain to climb, and I finally found it. And it was like a good twenty minute hike up, not nothing huge, but still, I was a good ways up. <laughs> and uh, this was in October. Um, so I climb on this. A rocky outcrop uh, with this like the sheer drop behind me in this long dress with all these kind of things that I could trip over, feeling a little bit unsafe. But I was like, ah, oh, this is the perfect perfect spot. And I shot like you know a hundred shots or something. With uh, thankfully my remote was working that day, uh, and you know one of these shots really turned out great. And um, the funny thing is, the funniest thing is, I posted it on Flickr, and then I <laughs> and nobody was noticing that I was actually standing on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? This is a new one. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it was like, oh, it was like they, they just thought I was standing on the ground. I was like, no, wait. And then I realized that they were looking. At, then On my iPhone, it looks like, and I was like, what, on your iPhone? And it struck me as like, okay, this is just not good enough. This venue, this internet thing, it has to, I need to be able to display my work bigger. <laughs> People yeah. are just looking at it on their iPhones. It's like, no, that's not how you're supposed to view art. I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so, but it looks like that's where it's going, <laughs> though. You know, yes. displays are getting smaller, not bigger. <laughs> but, you know, but still, I'm hugely happy with the, with the, uh, the result. And it was like, you know, one of my favorite photos now to date, even though it's just a really new one. And um, then I... I just recently, like last week, I um, went on an outing, um, meant to do something. There's like this hot spring nearby that I was going to use. It was like kind of hidden, and I thought I'd have it to myself, but there were actually tourists there. So plan B was to go up to this lake, my favorite lake, which I 
shot quite a quite a few of my best shots at um <laughs> and weighed in it was like minus six uh so, so it was like sub-zero temperatures and you and got I, in the water you got yeah, in the water. <laughs> yeah i undressed and i noticed and i was like halfway you know through taking off my clothes i had this you know this uh the skirt from this other this mountain photo i was going to use it again um and just use it as a skirt yeah. And I was halfway through, I was like halfway naked looking over. And then like in, you know, half a mile of distance along the shore, I see these people <laughs> standing there looking at me. I was like, <laughs> okay, I've already gotten these tourists to, you know, to scare me off from this other place. I'm doing this. I do not see these people. They are not there. <laughs> it's like, I can hear them kind of hooting and calling at me. <laughs> doing the cat calls. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they can't see anything. I'm sure they can't see a thing. So I was like, and it was so unbearably cold i mean it was like the, the kind of cold where if you you know spray water on something it freezes instantly oh yeah so yeah and i it was like i set up a tripod and got the right frame and everything and then i just like laid out this snowsuit and this towel and got on this and i took my shoes off and it was a, the, 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 the shore was so so cold and i was like okay but i think the water might be warm because just like uh, uh like 20 feet from where i was there's like just in this one area of this lake there are like these hot springs is really cool, you know, uh, natural phenomenon where these hot springs are coming up from the bottom of the lake. Yeah. But it's only like this really limited area. And I thought that I was close enough so that the water would be bearable and maybe a little bit lukewarm, but it was so freezing. It was like if it had been any colder, I would have been skating. So I was like, I'd already gone in and I was like, okay, whatever, I'm just going to do this. And I just waded out as far as I could, it was like really cold. And I could feel the, the material of the skirt kind of freezing solid around my ankles. And it was like, <sighs> Very, very painful. <laughs> You're lucky you got like, out of there with all your toes. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, and then I was just like, okay, these these had better have turned out right. And I looked at the the, the display, and the, like every single shot was like perfect. And I was like, whoa, that never happens. That's great. <laughs> so that was worth it. But you know, this is just what I I just thrive on. I love this the whole kick out of really just you know punishing yourself because I've done this like dozens of times, and it usually results in something really that people notice. So um, I'm probably just going to continue doing this and just going much farther and building more props. And I have quite a few ideas that I've been like, you know, spent like half a year kind of working on, you know, when I have time and they're just like sitting around my house half finished. So there's lots, lots and lots of stuff that I have have planned in the future. So speaking of planning and building stuff in the future, um, I know from the last time we spoke that you were starting up a business around knitting sweaters and you had some customers and you know people were banging down your door to get these but you can you have a you have a factory of one so you, you have a <laughs> exactly. limited a limited output there how's that yeah. going it's going really well. I've actually been able to use that as my day job because you know um as I mentioned sometime I think when we last talked I'm not a big fan of doing like uh you know wedding photos or just like kind of working as a as a day-to-day photographer is just like not my thing so i've i've just been able to just knit a lot of sweaters and when i'm knitting i can brainstorm and then my hands are free no my hands aren't free obviously but my brain is free to, to kind of wander off and actually i can read while i'm knitting so um as a day job it's a really good thing for me because i'm able to stay at home with my kids and you know like always be there for them and and at the same time, I'm creating something, you know, each sweater is unique. I, I draw up a new design for each one, and I kind of discuss the whole thing personally with the customer. So it's a really kind of a, a friendly kind of personal thing, which is really different than if I was maybe a designer who was designing a line of clothing that were then, you know, you know, made in some factory somewhere where I would never know who was wearing them. But in this way, I'm able to, um, you know, follow every customer, and they kind of become your friend, and <laughs> you just sort of follow where, where in the world all my sweaters are going in. 
uh, at the moment, I think I've, I've sold uh, almost 50 in two years. Oh, wow, that's great. Just very various various places all over the world. Um, uh, the one one went to Australia this summer. I think that's the furthest. So what are, what are, what are we talking about in terms of price of these things? Because I know you know all that manual labor and Rebecca's doing it for you and the private consultation. It can't be like a fifteen dollar off the rack kind of sweater. No, no. At the moment, uh, the price is around four hundred. It can go up to four hundred and fifty if you want, like thumb holes plus pockets and everything oh, cool. but you know it's definitely con- compared to like the price of my prints which i, I mean because these are like fine art this is what my, what my art is uh they're actually a lot cheaper <laughs> so yeah. it's like wearable art by me um i've been told by people i should probably up the price a bit but it's it's enough for me i mean i'm, I'm pretty modest i don't really feel like just like overcharging for something because i i feel it's you know it's good enough for what i'm doing it takes like you know two weeks to make each one um I really enjoy it for some reason um, still, even though I've been doing it now for three years. That is that is such a that is such a union between analog and digital because on the on the one side you're doing all this cool digital high tech Flickr you know Facebooking yeah. blog all this stuff and then on the other hand you're knitting you know yeah. <laughs> that's I awesome. think I just it's just my um, my personality I'm really grounded. And I'm really such a fan of just doing everything by hand and just this, the whole analog thing. I mean, if I had a dark room and it were practical, I would be shooting so much more film, you know. Mm. Than so it's just like this is just, you know, it's just I, I just it works for me. I mean, it's, sometimes I get tired of it, but I'm still I'm, I'm pretty pleased that it's 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 um there's always, you know, people are always asking. I always have a line of customers that are that are willing to wait a bit. And so. Well, while I'm not, you know, just absolutely sick of it or my hands don't fall off, I'll probably continue to do this for for a while. That's just great. That's great. So what what's what's next for Rebecca? What's uh what are the next projects you're going to try and tackle? Uh, I honestly just don't know. Aside from the fact that I I think I mentioned earlier when we were talking about book because that's something I've been thinking about doing for mm. at least 2 years. And I think that's something I really I'm going to dive into in the next year. I'm just going to force myself to sit down and write like uh, at a time, just I want to do a book that really just you know really digs into what I've been doing and what I'm about, you know, because I think a lot of people would be interested in um in reading that. But I want to do it as my own thing. I don't want to be like giving away this information on my blog or, or just wherever. Yeah. <clears throat> but more just kind of because I I do enjoy writing. I do enjoy you know telling stories, and there are so many stories behind behind my work that are not apparent at all when you look at them at first glance. So I think that's that's one thing I definitely want to do. And aside from all these, I have like various themes for like just simple, more more simple like coffee table books that I want to put together. Um, you know, because I, that way you can you know people could own a few of my pictures in print without you know buying the uh, the signed and numbered edition prints. Um, yeah. So that's just like uh, one of the things I have have planned for the next year. Aside from I'm gonna try to do some gallery shows and, and get my work a little bit more out there. So. Do you think you'd ever? You think you ever venture into doing video, like showing? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I actually I have done. I have done. Um, I've done one like um, actually surprisingly successful animation. This was when I was still in school. I um I, I dabbled a little bit in uh, stop motion animation. Oh. And I did this short film, which I just recently started showing people because <laughs> I like I buried it for two years because I just like oh I was so corny looking at it after I made it. But it's actually pretty good, and a lot of people looked at it and was like it's very David Lynch esque kind of like his early work. And I was like oh I'll get out because I'm a huge Lynch fan. But then I looked at it and I was like oh I was so under the influence of David Lynch when I did this, and it's like uh, just a really really you know low. 
uh, low tech, um, short kind of two minute, uh, picture based on, uh, some, a few sequences like that are based on my dreams, um, that I had and doing that and looking at it now, I was like, if I had, you know, one, if I, I just basically, I just need a better video camera. And, and if I, I, I started doing that, I think that's actually something I would want to work a little bit more on and just, you know, use the surreal af- aspects of, of my photos and just move it into, into video. That's actually something I am pretty excited about. Wow. Uh, well, I, I predict, I predict you, uh, you'll be learning Adobe after effects soon to, uh, sort of do your compositing. I already have. I, I used both After Effects and Final Cut to put together um, both this um, uh, this video and the uh, the stop motion thing. Um, oh, that's cool. That's cool. But I don't remember how either works because it's been two years. But seriously, <laughs> when, when, I, when I look at the animation, I was like, wait a minute. I did that? Really? Yeah. And I was like try, trying to remember because for six weeks, I remember I was just like a zombie because there's nothing more time consuming than stop motion animation. And I'm not lying. It's just like the most time consuming thing you can do. And it was like I made clay figures, I made a set, and then I had to sync it all with this video of my kids talking. It was like the most adorable thing ever. I, I'm seriously, out of everything I've ever done, I am most proud of this uh, this little film. I'm probably going to send well, you a link. You have to definitely send me the link to that because we're going to – we'll stick that in yeah. the blog post for sure. So really my only problem is I just do not have enough hours in the day to do all I want to do. I'm just like – I'm constantly working. Like today is Sunday. I mean I was just like – from the moment I got up until now, I've just been working, doing something, like, you know, nonstop. So it's like I'm just so full of <laughs> creative energy. I was like, man, I hate it. I have to sleep now. Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have time for that. <laughs> and then you got so, people like me getting you on the phone to do these interviews. See? Exactly. You know, sucking no, up your time. Now you're 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 okay to talk to. All right. Thank you. you. Why thank you? Uh, So where where can people if people want to like we'll we'll put links to all the stuff that we talked about in the show notes. Um, But you know just for now, if they want to type it in, where where do they go to check out more about you and keep up with what you're working on? Uh, If you want to just keep up with everything in one place, you know, Facebook is just the most simple place. I mean, I that's because you can blatantly advertise anything you want on there. You put links to your store and put links to whatever, you know, inconsequential thing I'm doing. So I use that most now to just kind of update people about whatever I'm up to. Um, you know, if I put a picture up on Flickr, I'll put a link on Facebook and people will just be led there. If I put up a Pixic blog, I'll put it on Facebook and people can just check that out. So, you know, that's probably the you know, kind of an all-purpose of anything to just, you know, uh, keep up with what I'm doing. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> hey, you know what I heard missing? Uh, no Twitter, right? No Twitter. Yeah, that's that's part of the um, – I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of clinging to the old-fashioned kind of – you know, I'm I'm really late getting on the boat. That's just how it is. Um, I'll eventually I'll, I'll I'll try Twitter. I don't really know what the difference is between Twitter and Facebook, but uh, apparently there is some because everyone is using it. But eventually I'll I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, no, no rush, no rush. You know, because there'll, be, there'll be something else coming up right after Twitter. Yeah, I already live on the internet, like you know, most of my life. So it's like I don't really need more, but. It's probably there for a reason. (laughs) Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking time out of your, what is it, Sunday night over there, right? Sunday Uh, night. For, uh, to, to chat with us, the, me and the This Week in Photo audience. This has been really educational. And, you know, when this is on the blog, we're gonna, we're gonna put some photos of yours on the blog post as well. So people can see those and then click through and check out works of your, or, uh, examples of your, the, the different multiplicity shots you've done, the landscapes, and of course the sweaters. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I think this is, this will be a good way for people to get introduced to the world of Rebecca and all the crazy things that you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It's always a pleasure talking to you anytime. All right. Well, thank you and uh, have a good night. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. The show's content contributor is Eric Horton.